Well, hey, Grace family, this is Ryan Peterson here back again, bringing you some extra content from our Mark chapter 2 series. We just finished up a six-week series around the chapter 2 of Mark, verses 1 through 12, that was really focused in on freedom and healing. Uh, we finished the series with uh, five weeks of content, and then we did a, a great session of Q&A, which you guys submitted about 20-some questions over that weekend between Thursday and Sunday. But now we're looking at more than 40 questions that you guys sent in that we're trying to address, give you some guidance on so that you guys can continue the journey of freedom and healing. So uh, grab your journals, grab your Bibles, and let's get ready for some timeless wisdom from the Bible. Today, our overarching big topic is personal growth. This is episode six and episode five. We actually talked a little bit about personal growth as well. But specifically, today we're going to get into a really, really fun topic of uh, listening or hearing God's voice. And um, pretty exciting, pretty exciting for me personally. Um, Let me give you the two questions, and then we're going to dive into some guidance. For question number one, how do you know God is listening, what he is saying, and that you are not alone? Fantastic question. I, I, I kind of feel like these all came in anonymously, but I always feel like this one this one particularly uh, needs like a name. So I'm just going to say it's Lisa from California. <laughs> How do you know God is listening, what he is saying, and that you are not alone? Lisa from California, great question. Uh, I'm kidding. I don't know who this is from. But all right, second question. How do you really know it's God's voice when you are prompted to do something new or even in the natural? seems a little crazy to do. Again, how do you really know it's God's voice when you're prompted to do something new or even in the natural seems a little crazy to do? Valid question. Good one. Uh, wish me luck because um, these are not uh, run-of-the-mill, easy, fill-in-the-blank type of, uh, questions. But really good one. This is like, um, for many, this is like foundational to our faith, like that God is personal. Uh, that there is a God that we believe in, like Hebrews 11 talks about, that the fact that we seek him, that we actually know he exists, and that he hears us and he rewards those who diligently seek him. So how do we know that God is is really listening? Um, I think about John 10, where Jesus outright says that he is a God that talks to his people. Uh, I am the good shepherd and my sheep know my voice. And so when you're looking at this idea, uh, I think there's a a parable-type illustration that Jesus is giving. You have a good father, and he pretty consistently calls us sheep that he, as our shepherd, takes care of. And um, I think there's confidence in knowing that when we read the Bible, there is these words that are literally written that are God-breathed. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture is God-breathed. So that way we can, we can read through the prophets, we can read through the gospels, we can read through the literary um, literature of the wisdom series, you know, uh, Ecclesiastes, Proverbs. We can read through stories and the history of the Israelites and our great-great-grandfathers, the fathers of the faith like Abraham, 
We could also read prophetic declarations of eschatology, like Daniel, Matthew, uh, pieces of the church letters, and also the book of Revelation, and know that all scripture is breathed out by God. That means no matter what the author was, or where it came from, or what book, what 66 books we are um, accumulatively talking about from the Old and the New Testament, we know that all Scripture is God-breathed. That's important to know, and it's significant because um, when we ask the question, I think all of us ask this question, how do we really know that God is listening, what He is saying, and that we are not alone? I think one of the things that we need to write down and and just to solidify and constantly uh, remind ourselves is it's by faith. It's by faith that we actually know that God is listening, that he hears us. One way to encourage that faith is I would encourage you to go to the book of Psalms. Read Psalm 1 all the way through Psalm 150. Read the very genuine uh, conversation that David and all the other authors of the psalm continually write about that I cried out to God and he heard and he heard me I I raised my voice I prayed to God and he answered my cry there is a re- repetitive um, notion that uh, God consistently listens and hears what it is that we are crying out for. So that's one way, is by faith. The other one is, is if the Word of God is all Scripture, is God-breathed, then the other way that we need to be um, really confident that we know that God's listening to us is that when we read His Scripture, when we read this Bible— then we're also knowing that when we pray that Bible back to him, when we pray that truth, that word back to God, the one who wrote the book, we know that he hears us. Um, When it comes to prayer, I think by far my favorite scripture is 1 John 5.14. That's really what we're talking about. We're we're talking about this question, how do I know God is listening? We're talking about prayer. And it's uh, 1 John 5, 14, and John says, This is the confidence that we have towards God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we ask for. So do you want to have confidence in knowing that God hears your prayers or that God's listening to you and what you're saying? then go back and actually take his word, make sure that it's in your heart, and then you just translate that back to him. And when we do, we actually have confidence in this five, uh, 1 John 5 um, that God actually hears our voice. Another one uh, I love to just to kind of give you some scriptures that you, that you can go back to is uh, John 16, verse 23 and 24. This is Jesus' words saying, Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have not asked anything in my name, but ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Listen to the words of Jesus. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Now, I want to um, give a little bit of a parallel of what, what that you know, sort of means. Jesus is saying that if you take on my position, my, my heart, and my role, when you approach the Father 
and you make the request and you talk with him and and you speak with him and you just kind of unload your heart and tell him all what's going on in your mind, when you align yourself with the nature and the character of Jesus, then what the Father hears is almost as if what Jesus would be saying if he was in your situation. The parallel that I would give you is it's almost like um, the president of a growing business. The president has a lot of responsibilities. They have to think a certain way. Uh, they deal with issues uh, on, on a different playing field than maybe an entry-level position would. And this particular growing business has a unique expression which takes on the form of the leader. So let's just say one of the entry-level leaders uh, would then come and take the position of the president, and then all of a sudden that new uh, person starts sending out emails and does forms of communications that are contrary to what the former or the current president would be. It gets a little mixed up because you're thinking, okay, I know this is from the email or from the desk of the president, but it doesn't really sound like who our president really is. It doesn't really sound like the values our companies hold. And so the people are like, okay, I know this is from the president because the voicemail says so, the email says so, the memo of the physical notepad says so, but the nature and the character of what they're inquiring or the language that they're using doesn't really doesn't really match up to the heart behind who we know to be as our president of that business. And that's what it really is talking about in John 16. He says, listen, as a son and a daughter, and remember, you have that privilege only because of Jesus. He says, as a son of, or a daughter, when you approach the Father, it's almost as if you have been spending time with Jesus inside of the Word, inside of His presence, letting the Holy Spirit fill you up so much so that when you go back and you listen and you talk and you empty your heart out to the Father, it's as if the Father is looking back to you and seeing Jesus. That's what He means, whatever you ask in my name, it will be given to you. Because what he's not talking about is just ending a sentence or ending a prayer like, God, you know I've always wanted a Ferrari. I've always wanted a motorcycle. So can I have that for Christmas in Jesus' name? And the fact that you're like, oh, man, I said it in Jesus' name, (laughs) probably by faith means that I'm going to have a motorcycle whenever I wake up on December 25th. Now, the, the thing is, if you make that request and you empty that out of your heart and say, hey, this is really what you want, and you just you know put that little comma on the back of it in Jesus' name, you thinking that the Father's going to hear you. He's probably not going to hear you because although the email came from the president, the, the memo, the physical notepad came from the president, the nature and the heart behind it just is like, hey, this isn't my son. <laughs> you know, this isn't... This isn't what he would normally be longing for, asking for. This, is, this doesn't help the church. This doesn't help humanity. This doesn't help glorify my name. I, I, don't, I don't get, I just, this is a little confusing. So that's the, the notion around Jesus, how you can have confidence in knowing that when you align yourself with his will, because remember, come on, let's go back, guys. This, this story that we're living although we have a name and we have a role and we have a call in it, has very little to do with us. This has to do with a really big God who needs to be more well-known. 
And so when we live our life and we pray and we talk to God aligned with him and his heart, it just goes a lot better for us. Uh, let, me, let me keep going. How do we know that God is listening? I just talked about John 16. Um, but it's also in John 15 as well, the great chapter that um, we are, uh, God's talking about being the vine and the father, the vine dresser, and we are the branches that uh, bear fruit. Uh, he goes down in verse 7 in chapter 15. It says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and you will be, it will be done for you. Abide in him and allow the words of God to abide in you. Allow the words of God to abide in you. Which also reminds me, um, whenever you, you look back in the book of John and you go back to chapter 8, It says, Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So freedom comes on the obedience of actually having the word tucked inside of us. But then there's there's another part um, that, you know, we're talking about here in John 16 and also in John 15, that when we abide in him and his word abides in, abides in us, then we actually know that we have what we asked for and that we know that God's listening. Uh, it also says uh, inside of some of our, our key scriptures, like um, the book of Psalms I told you to go back to earlier, Psalm 34 says, the Lord is near God is near to the brokenhearted, and he saves the crushed in spirit. That's Psalm 34, 18. Second Chronicles also talks about, uh, in chapter 16, 9, it says, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the entire earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. God is looking, just picture this, it's an anthropomorphic statement. God is looking throughout the entire earth so that he can strengthen those, <laughs> that's such a good word, strengthen those who are fully committed to him. He's not looking for, for, for perfection. Remember, following Jesus is about progression, not perfection. God is looking over the entire earth to strengthen those who are just committed, just willing to say, God, take my life. I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll do whatever you want. I will say whatever you want me to say. I'm completely surrendered to you. So it goes back to that. How do I know God's listening? Well, it's is my heart fully committed to him? Is he one of the things, am I one of the people that he is looking over the earth for so that I can be strengthened? Um, Galatians 5 talks about when we abide in him, when we follow, when we just really live the life, walk in the spirit. Galatians 5 talks about then the natural expression, the byproduct of our life is more love, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, you know, the fruit of the spirit. Ephesians 1, 11 through 14 says that we are sealed. Those who believe in Jesus are sealed by the Holy Spirit. We know that God's listening to us when we have the Holy Spirit sealed inside of us because we truly believe in what God's doing and who he is in our life. All right, second question. Um, How do we really know it's God's voice? when you're prompted to do something new or even in the natural seems crazy to do. All right, so let me just lay some foundational work on in talking about how can we look at and discern how God speaks to us. Okay, so first one is we need to find out how does God speak. Let me just give you a few ways that God speaks because, um, and this is not an exhaustive list, but I think these are probably like top 
five or top ten. I don't know how many numbers I have, but um, they're like the they're like the really big key ones in my mind. Um, when we think about human to human interaction, human to human communication, right from one person to another, how how do you know it's someone's voice? Uh, you can text somebody, you can email somebody, you can verbally talk with them. There is verbal communication, there's nonverbal, you know, there's body language, there's a way that you can say things, and then there's the content of what you say. There's just a few ways, but that w- those are not really, I don't know, uh, there's not a deep plethora of ways that you can actually communicate to other individuals. I mean, it, I think the list is pretty small. But when it comes to our relationship with God, specifically God's relationship to humanity, <laughs> I think this is really where the change comes. God is not limited by anything. And so the ways that God is and can speak to us is vastly different than how we, human to human, talk to each other. So when we think about how God speaks to us, we can't just think about the audible voice of God because that's how naturally we communicate one to another, you know, from human to human. So just a reminder, in uh, Isaiah 55, it says that God is just not like us. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are just higher than our ways. And uh, I think that the, the word higher, uh, I could imagine it to mean better, <laughs> you know, like better quality, like just on a whole nether plane field. It's like, and and totally different than the way we do it too. So let me just um, let me just rip off a few of these examples of of the ways that God does actually speak, and then we'll get back to how do we really know when it's the voice of God to prompt us, and and how to actually validate um, when to do something, even if it's new or or crazy, as this person's asking. Um, one of the ways that God speaks to us is through our thought life, through our thought life, and so um, I just want to really quickly. Um, the Bible says that we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. That Romans 12 says that we have, we should be transformed by the renewing, the renewing of our mind. So one of the ways, pretty consistently, that God speaks to us is through our thought life. Uh, now I'm going I'm to, I'm going to give you at the very end ways that we can validate if these are actually God's voice. But let me just give you the ways that He actually speaks. Uh, another one is through impressions. Um, some people say like, I get the impression when you walk into a room or I get the impression that I should do this, or I get the impression of this vague idea. It's kind of like a vision, but it's not as clear. It's kind of like a thought, but it's not, it's not sentence. Uh, it's not like a sentence structure, right? You can't really necessarily put words on it. It's more like a, a vague notion. I get the impression that I have a desire um, you know, or a, uh, a hope, you know, to, to, to kind of do something. But all those are, are kind of, I guess, synonyms. So God works through desires, or he, he, he speaks through impressions. That's the second way. Uh, another way is consistency or uh, repetition. Um, God is just a really good father, and he is okay repeating things. Now, as a father of three and um, as a spiritual father to some as well, I don't really like repeating myself, <laughs> but that's something that's something that God is working on me uh, about. So, I, But I get this. It's truly gracious and 
as uh, 1 Corinthians 13 reminds us, love is patient. And so God, one of the other ways that we know God is speaking to us is that he is persistent and he is consistent. Consistent and persistent. All, all kind of syllables. You don't, have, you don't have to stick with those. But um, I, I get reminded of um, this, uh, you know, this um, uh, one scripture in uh, Romans, uh, Romans chapter 1, where it, it, it kind of gives notion to God's kindness and how we are being brought back to uh, repentance. It, it really just kind of talks about it's God's love or, or patience that brings us to repentance. Uh, depend upon what your translation says, uh, it says the, the riches, mind, this is the ESV, it says the riches of God's kindness and forbearance and God's patience, uh, this is God's kindness that is supposed to lead us to repentance, which means, remember, uh, like a changed thought process, changed mind. And so he does this consistently, which is such, um, really such a, which is such a key for us. Um, I, I love, I love this. But um, let me give you some other ones. Visions or dreams. I mentioned this a little bit. Visions and dreams. It's all in the Bible. Solomon, Joseph, so many people in the Bible um, referred to having visions or dreams and God. Uh, even even our Christmas story, uh, Joseph was uh, God spoke to him, uh, or angels came in by way of a dream. One of the other ways is community by relationships. Other people around us that um, have these relationships. Proverbs specifically talks about there is wisdom in a multitude of counselors. Uh, so the people that we have around us can bear our burdens. Galatians six. Uh, but one of the other ways is community. The other way, uh, Psalm 8 talks about um, creation. Like all of creation is actually speaking out God's voice, his word. All of creation speaks to us. Uh, Romans chapter 1 actually talks about this as well. Um, because God has shown to us the invisible attributes, namely his eternal power, his divine nature has been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world of what God, who God is and what he's doing. So it's, it's also in creation. Another way, may not be popular, but another way that God speaks to us is pain. That's right, pain, difficulty, trials, suffering, whatever you want to call it, it's in there. Uh, another way is open doors or opportunities or moments or kairos moments. Uh, some people call it coincidences. Gosh, you can like chalk it up to whatever, uh, divine appointments, you know, etc. But they're all under the same category of open doors. God orchestrates every single detail of this world so he can arrange moments, times, setups, open doors, uh, opportunities, etc. Another way that God speaks to us is authority. Uh, in Romans 13, every authority is placed by God and for us, for our benefit. We may not agree with all of them, Unless they're asking us to do absolutely sinful things and contrary to God's nature, we're supposed to be able to submit and follow and listen to authority. And one of the other ones, the most popular, say the best for last, is the Bible. The Bible is one of the primary ways that God has laid out in 2 Timothy 3.16 already. These are God's words. So how do we really know it's God's voice? Well, we read the Bible. Now, all the ones that I just told you, um, thoughts, 
you know, the impressions, the consistency and the repetitiveness, uh, visions, community creation, pain, open doors, authority, all of those are validated inside the Word of God. The Bible displays God's nature and His character. So when He speaks, it actually needs to be confirmed back to, does this really line up with the Word of God? So when you're asking this question, how do you really know it's God's voice? When you're prompted to do something new or even natural, seems a little bit crazy to do. I would tell you, is it one of these primary ways that God spoke? That was the the kind of the the delivery system. One of these. Then the second thing I would ask: Does it confirm and validate the nature and the character of who God is in the Bible, in the Old and the New Testament? Is it consistently perceived, not just like a one time, out of the blue, you know? random moment, but is it consistent, thoroughly, contextually uh, consistent with the the quality and the nature of who God is from the Bible? Uh, and then I would just ask the question. So these are just last questions that I would ask to, to validate. Is this really God's voice to prompting you to do something new? Here's my questions that I would ask personally. Is it good? Like is just in, in its in it in its essence, is it good? Is God is this voice? Is it the idea? Is this thought? Is it is it a good idea? <laughs> is it right? Because because there is goodness and there is righteousness that are just key factors inside of Scripture. Another question, on all kind of lined up in in the same. Does it bring attention back to God or to man? If it brings attention back to man or to you, it might not be a God idea. But if it brings attention back to God, it's probably a God idea. Does it benefit people? These are all all my questions that I would have follow-up. Does it benefit people? If it doesn't benefit his church, his people, humanity, individuals, the poor in spirit, the poor, uh, physical poor, and the poor in their heart, if it doesn't benefit people, I don't know if it's an idea from God because that's his concern is people who are broken, poor in spirit, and are longing to come back to a relationship. Um, does it take faith? Just ask the question, does it take faith? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So why would God ask you to do something that wouldn't actually please him? So you got to go back to these questions. Is it good? Is it right? Does it bring God attention? Does it benefit people? Does it build up his church? Does it take faith? Is it risky? Does it cost something in following him to actually know more about who God is? I hope this is helpful. I love entertaining the idea of one of our foundational pieces of our faith, of walking and following Jesus is really just hearing his voice. So knowing that God is listening, validating that we are not alone because he declares it in his word by faith. Come on, we just need to be reminded by reading the word that we are in good company about when we cry out to God, he hears us. When we read his word, we can trust that he actually hears our heart because we are being more and more conformed to the image of God. Hope this has been beneficial. Such a great topic. We can go on hours and hours and hours for material about what it looks like to follow God and to listen to his voice. But for now, I hope this is a good start. So appreciate you spending some time with me, and I hope to catch you next time as we continue uh, the Q&A under Mark chapter 2. Until next time, we'll see you then.